Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Glad you joined us today. I'm talking with Sass. He's a former Nicolay Bible Institute student. He's headed to what college? Oak Hills. Oak Hills up in Bemidji, Minnesota. Two hours away from Canada, actually. There you go. So he's yeah. going way up there to see if he can handle the cold for the winter. <laughs> and he's going to be uh, joining a pastoral ministry ministry major. Is that is yep. that what you're going to be going for? A bachelor's. Yep. A bachelor's degree in that. And hopefully one day, not sure where he's going to land. He could land. Maybe. What, what if you became a chaplain in the United States Congress? What oh, about that? Never thought of that. Yeah, I mean, that would be a good thing to use a pastoral ministry for. And if you've listened to Younger Older, you know that we were talking about the, the integration of politics and being a pastor, or politics and Christianity and all that kind of thing in our last program. So I invite you to go download that and hear what we had talked about. But there is a, a little bit of tension I'm picking up from Sass on, all right, I want to be a pastor, but I also love politics. And when, yeah. when we see Sass, we really see and hear a politician and yet he's and got the, a big heart for people and would love to help people. And I guess I'm disappointed, Sass, in one way, because I, 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 I'm disappointed to think that anybody thinks that being a politician, you can't help people and, and help them be all they should be. Mm-hmm. Now, th- that's a very sad statement on politics in general. Yeah. Because then I'm thinking, okay, well, then we need to try and change that. Mm-hmm. So what if you are just like blatantly honest with people and say, I want to go into politics for this reason. I don't want to argue. I don't want to fight about things. I want to start bringing back people who fear God. And you know what? If you don't want a politician who's going to stand up in this way, then don't elect me. Yeah. Well, I did actually. I ran for my village board. Yeah. And I only got 27 votes out of 163. I lost big time. And I ran on saying that I want transparency and I want honesty. Well, I was a... Yeah, well, there was probably somebody older than you running. Uh, yeah, there were three other candidates. Yeah. And it was like, uh, for anyone that's probably wondering how the village board, so they picked the top top three winners. All of them had like three, t- there were three times at my age. Right. So th- there's something there. You're young yet. And I think if, if you're going to go into politics and try and get into politics at this point, I one of the things going against you is age. Yeah. And now, you may think that's not fair. Because I don't have an AARP card. No. <laughs> but here, here's why you might think it's not fair. But I'm gonna I'm gonna balance it off a little as an older guy. Yeah, I think to be a pastor, you should be probably 45, 50 years old. You think so? Yeah. Why and, is and, that? And, and and that's because there's so much life experience that's necessary for you to really help people the way that that you can. Now that doesn't mean God won't use a young pastor. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you can't know God's word. It, it doesn't mean that you can't be used of God to work with people and teach them. Certainly, God used donkeys to speak for him. So yeah. that that's that's not my issue. Yeah. Well, look at Billy Graham, though. He was how old? 18? It could be. I'm not saying. You can always look at an exception. You can yeah. do that. But what I'm saying is very simply, sometimes you want to talk to somebody who has a little bit of life experience behind them. Yeah. That's all. You are still developing that life experience at your age. You have some great ideas, and that's why I like to program younger older, because I can listen to your ideas, and I can temper them with my experience in my mm-hmm. life, but I love the energy and the ideas that you have. Yeah, because you, t- you question me on some of that. Yeah, so it's like, okay, I like the idea. I like what you're talking about, but yeah. here's what my experience would teach me. Yeah. And that's the balancing act you need. So I, 
I'm not trying to discourage you from being a pastor. I'm trying to say maybe when you're a pastor, you team up with somebody who's older. Like you. Like, well, I'm, I'm way older. But somebody, <laughs> I, somebody that has a little bit more life experience so yeah. that you can be with somebody who you can watch, who can talk you through, here's some of the things in life that I've learned. Yeah. You know, I mean, in my journey, you know, as we've talked, you just, even now, have relatives yourself that suffer from cancer and I've gone through that. So you can talk to me knowing you have already gone through that in life. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. You can't get that when you're too early in life. Well. I mean, you might. You might have had people cancer in your life when you're young. But I'm just saying there are experiences that are valuable. Yeah. And that's why intergenerational talk. I need to be excited about the energy and the ideas you bring to the table. Yeah. You need to be excited about the fact that I'll temper them with my experience. Yes. Yeah. And and if you get two if you get parties doing that, you can go somewhere then because now it's like, no, the idea I like, but did you ever think about this? Yeah. And then you're you know, on the other side and then you have the dialogue and you go forward with it. Yeah. Well, I have a question for you on this. Okay. We talked off air. So the reason why I'm like because there's a bigger movement in this in my generation. Um, where I spoke with the pastor, I think he was out of California, Northern California. Okay. And he used to be a pastor, but now he's moving out of it. And now it's become a spiritual pastor, like a spiritual. So like he's no longer a Christian. He calls himself a spiritual. Why do you think spirituality is becoming a new thing? And why do you think more and more people are going away from the church? Well, I think, first of all, you can't. And what be, is spiritual? You, what, you can't be a Christian without Christ. What is spiritual about being spiritual? I have no idea what they're talking about, except for the fact that they're probably accepting all kinds of experiences and all kinds of of, of spiritual movements as equal. Now, the bottom line really is, without Christ, there's no Christianity. Yeah. Christ is the central figure of all history. Yeah. He's the central figure in the Bible. If you want to go spiritual, you want to eliminate Christ, the word Christian, Christ, Mm -hmm. you want to eliminate Christ, it's not Christian anymore, and it's not valid anymore. Yeah. The only validity comes from the fact that there is a God, and I'm not him, and and God is the one who sent his son Jesus to this earth, and all of history revolves around Jesus Christ. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He will be the victor one day. He'll be the one we stand before. He's going to be our mediator, and I am actually a co-heir with him as his brother in, in, in God's family. Yeah. Okay, yeah. now, without Christ... You can start to try and appeal to a lot more people if you'd like. But what you're doing then is appealing to people uh, in in a way that they might like it and you're not uh, being offensive. Now, preaching the gospel is offensive to those who want to do it another way because you're telling them that their works is no good. Yeah, Their works and their ideas are wrong. But the truth is, Sas, that people who don't believe in Jesus are wrong. Yeah. But we see that bigger movement, though. We see that more and more, and this it's becoming more prevalent. You know, where we see younger people. For instance, I got <clears throat> so I was flying, and what happened is I folded up like a lawn chair when somebody asked me because they like during the uh, mascara and stuff. I wore God Bless America, and this gal's like, "Well, you are you a Christian?" And I'm like, "Well, I am." And and she's like, "So what do you think about?" I'm like, "So what are you?" And she's like, "She was agnostic." Or, yeah. yeah. Okay. And she's like, "So." do you think God exists? I said, well, I think there's a higher being and pretty much I folded up like a lawn chair and fell over in the wind. 
And so it's interesting because that's how easy it was susceptible, you know. And why do you think that is? Why do you think? Because I was, it was actually that was my biggest regret because I pretty much said that God is. I put God below her, saying that there's a higher power. Yeah. It was embarrassing. I felt, I felt awful afterwards. Because you were trying to be agreeable, like a politician might be <laughs> on something. And see, that's why I can't. Yeah. Well, that that's what I'm saying. There, there's no reason to apologize for the fact that there is a God and that he loves you. Yeah. We, we don't need to apologize for that. When I talk to somebody, you know what I've done. Sas, I'll take this pen and I'll show it to you and I'll ask you questions about it. Yeah. What is this? A pen. What is it made for? Writing. So somebody did design it? Yes. Somebody made it? Yes. How do you know all that? It's obvious. That's why that's logical. Oh. <laughs> right? Yeah. So when I look yeah. at the universe, there is a God. Yeah. There's a creator. There's a plan. How do I know all that? The same reason I know that the pen has all those. Yeah. And I happen to know who he is. And the Bible reveals who he is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yep. Now, you can say, I want to ignore God, and then you're going to have to make it very complicated to understand everything. Because mm -hmm. now you're trying to, to understand how the world came into being by accident mm -hmm. rather than by creation. And and it would be so much harder for me to take this, looks like a Bic pen or something. It would be so much harder for me to take this pen and try and figure out with you how it accidentally came into existence. Mm -hmm. We could spend the rest of our life making up a story on how this accidentally came into existence. Or we could agree on the fact that somebody designed it, manufactured it, and it has a purpose already. Yeah. When I look at the world around us, there's one creator, obviously one sustainer of life. He made us a certain way. We all, you know, you have to breathe air. You have to, that's why when you get cancer, it's harmful to you. Mm -hmm. It's harmful for every human to have cancer. So there's things that just happen in life that it's the way they are. Mm-hmm. And as we look at the creation around us, we begin to see, okay, there, there's an order. Um, I would encourage people to go get Lee Strobel's book on a case for Christ. Fantastic book, by yeah, the way. Or a case yep. for creation yep. or a case for faith. And if you're not going to read those books about a, a, an agnostic or an atheist, I forget what he was. He was one of the As two. Atheist. He was atheist. Yeah. And, yep. and somebody who actually did research and in the process became convinced that God is God. And the heaven does exist. And, and the heavens, yeah, were created by God. So yeah. I would encourage you, once again, they're called a case for creation, a case for Christ, and a case for, for faith. And there's Oh, a, he's got one out now, a case for heaven. Did too. you read that? Yes, I did. It's a uh, good book. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And you cannot tell me that heaven, like anyone that thinks that heaven is like not real, I mean, they're mistakenly wrong. Because in one of the chapters, he talks about how this woman, she, <clears throat> I mean, I'm a little bit speculative on that. Okay. <clears throat> because I read it and it didn't make sense. I'm like, okay, so she's, I, I, I think you know what chapter I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. So wouldn't there have been cameras that were looking out in the hospital? Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. here, here's what I do know. If, if you are somebody who really wants to have answers, you need to go to the Those ones books. who have answers. Yeah. And, and Lee Strobel was a guy who basically did some really honest research with the greatest minds, I think, the educational minds that he could find. Mm -hmm. And he came to a conclusion that there is a God, that we can know him through the scriptures. Yep. And I encourage you, go get those books and read them through before you just huddle with people who say, we're just going to all believe this and not let that information into our heads. 
Yeah. That information is critical to have in your minds. You know, yeah. and I'm not a Lee Strobel. I am not somebody who's a Pulitzer Prize winning author. I'm not somebody who does the research like he does. So you can say, Well, I'd like to argue with Dave or something. It's like, you know what? I'm not even gonna argue with you. Well you did write a book though, didn't you? I I haven't written a book on creation or anything. I've just I've written books, but that doesn't make me an expert on anything. Oh, <laughs> You know, and the bottom line really yeah. is you go to you go to those books. If you really want to know answers, you know, first of all, you need to read the Bible. Yeah. So you need to know what that says. I remember I was out in Utah, not Utah once. I was out in, uh, we were out west doing something. We were on a raft trip through the uh, Grand Ca- Canyon. Oh, Arizona. Yeah. And and as we were going through, you know, there's a, a young man that came up to me and, and he basically was, um, taking care of a, you have these guys and they took care of everything for you. And I really wanted to be alone. I like sitting in the woods by myself, building a fire. And he came and he decided he was going to build a fire for me. And I'm thinking to build it and you can go. And, yeah. and so he asked me what I did for a living. And I thought, okay, here it goes. We're getting to a discussion here. <laughs> and I said, I, I, I teach the Bible. Yeah. And he goes, well, I don't believe in your God. And, and I remember looking at him saying, well, that's really your problem. Now build a fire. Yeah. And he looked at me and goes, what do you mean that's my problem? I said, you know, let me ask you some questions. Have you ever, ever, have you ever read the Bible? Uh, no. See, that's a problem. So you want to tell me about the God that's in the Bible, but you've never read it. So what makes you an expert if you've never even read it? The least you could do is go read the Bible before you start telling me about the God that's in the Bible. Yeah. And instead of telling me things that you heard about somebody say about the Bible or one of your friends say about the Bible, you should at least read the Bible yourself. Yeah. So my question is to this is that, for instance, when I tell somebody, when also somebody tells me about the Bible, the verse that they memorize is John 3.16. But they, John 3.16 has become so distorted in this, in this context. Um, why do you think they have distorted John 3.16? I don't know how they've distorted it because I don't know how you can. I, I don't know either. I'm just mind blown. Like, how can you? Well, what do they say about it? Because I don't understand how they distort it. It was a hyperbole. Okay, because John 3.16 is very clear. God so loved the world that he, he gave, gave his only son, son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Yeah, some people say it's a hyperbole and some people say that uh, it's a metaphor. Yeah, well, they can say whatever they want. Yeah. They need to read the whole Bible and see what the plan is. See, what, what's really interesting is if you go into the book of Genesis, you realize in the beginning God, not in the beginning Dave. Yep. Okay, so that's where I start. And then in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he created man. And when you look at the scriptures, you realize that he created us to love. Yep. Okay, now love has a special characteristic about it. Love always has to have a choice. You have to have one. Yep. Or there is no no possible way to have this idea of love. So in other words, and you've heard me say the illustration, Sas, that my iPad that I use for these programs, it it can't love me. No. So if my iPad in the studio now started saying, Dave, I love you, this would be a pretty weird thing. <laughs> yeah. And not only that, you knowing enough about electronics would know your iPad doesn't love you. Yeah. You programmed it to say that. Yep. So somehow through history, people think that if God was a loving God, he would have programmed all of us to love him. Yeah. And I'm saying, wait a minute then, that's not the nature of love in the first place. You have to have choice in order to have love. You yep. have to. And, and if you don't have choice, there's no such thing as love. So Dave Wager needs to choose to love God. He can't be forced 
to love God because of the nature of love. Yep. So from the beginning, we had choice, and that's yep. what happened. And, and Eve made a wrong choice, and Adam made a wrong choice, and ever since then, we've been sinners. Mm-hmm. And because of that sin, there has to be a death payment. Yep. And either it's going to be my death payment eternally in hell, or it's going to be the gift of Jesus who came down to this earth, mm-hmm. the one who actually created me, came down to die to take my place so I could be in God's family. Yep. And and that's what John three sixteen is all about. So it's not a metaphor. No. And it's not you know, Jesus verified what what happened in the Old Testament, the creation in the New Testament. And and it's not just words that are a nice story. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've told kids so often through life, the stories in the Bible are more than a story. And that's what you have to understand. They're not just stories. They're more than stories. Would you say they're more of a roadmap to say how this is how, this is how you should live? Well, they, they're like, absolutely. But they also, you tell stories to people so that they can understand the truth. Like parables. Well, parables and, and other stories, things that happen, you learn from them. Yeah. So I can learn from watching other people in all sports. Let's say football, for example. They'll sit there and they'll look at films. Mm-hmm. For hours on end. Yeah, because they're learning yeah. about how these people operate. You know, So you and I, we can look at stories in the Bible. We, we've talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel. You can learn from them. Mm-hmm. You can learn how God works. You can learn how people interact with each other. Uh, you can even learn, I mean, you look at the early church, uh, you can read the book of Mark mm-hmm. if you want, and the backdrop for the book of Mark is is that Nero is big cheese. Nero's, you know, he's lining streets with Christian torches. Yeah. He's, he's going to eventually kill the Apostle Paul. He's going to martyr Peter. You know, if, eventually... That Nero is is going to kill anybody who loves God at all, and he burned down the, his own city. So you look at this, and you go, "Okay, yeah. well, now read the Book of Mark with that as a background, and you understand that these were pretty rough times that this book was written in." <clears throat> yep. Yet we're talking about God's plan. Satan doesn't want God's plan to be known by people because Satan can't beat God at anything. No. However. The only chance, the only opportunity he has to even bother God is to get you or me. Yep. Because we make choices that will affect our life today and eternity. There is a way that we were created, and I encourage our listeners, you go to the Bible, read it, and understand how we're created. Mm-hmm. You can't take Christ out of it. If you take Christ out of it, you have nothing. Yep. You have nothing but good feelings, and you open yourself up to being susceptible to the fanciest talker, who can convince you of whatever they need to convince you of. Yeah. When in reality, the Bible and God gives us truth, and it's absolute truth. There is a God, I'm not him. I'm a sinful person who God loves. He sent Jesus down to this earth to die in my place, to take yeah. my place. And as I put my trust in him, I become a child of God, and I can actually live the way I was created to live. Amen. And those that's the simplistic view of it. Yeah. And it really is the truth. Yeah. Now, you want to believe something else? You can believe, you know, the moon's made out of cheese if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. Well, and don't you find it funny how <clears throat> we're seeing, like, people are, like, trying to live longer. Have you noticed that, like, through science? They're trying to figure out, like, if you follow this diet or if you follow, like, get this implant, chip implanted you. like Yeah, but I, I guarantee you, you're going to die. Oh, yeah. And that tell people, I said... Don't, I, I tell people, I said, there's two appointments, and I miss doctor's appointments, or sometimes I cancel them. But I said, the two appointments I will never miss in my life is death and judgment. Yep. Those are the, and I said, whether you like it, you can escape all you can. 
But when you face God, it's up to you. And that's it. And there's also two judgments you're going to receive. One is you're going to have the great white throne judgment, which you do not want to be part of. And number two, the second one that you and I are going to be uh, judged, because even all Christians are judged as well. But the second one that you and I are going to be judged, we're going to have Jesus vouching for us. Yep. He's going to say, no, because they believed me, because they accepted of who I did, or because of what I did on the cross. Yeah, he's our mediator. He's our, yeah. And because of that, that's sufficient from God. And I would not, I would hate to say, if I saw the great white throne, I'd probably start crying right away. Yeah. Probably soil my pants. Or, sorry. Yeah, well, you know what? Here's, here's the reality. Everybody that's listening right now is going to stay alive until they die. True. And and when you die, your choices are over. But right now, you have choices, yep. and and that's really what you want to focus on. And I know you know the dilemma in life on what somebody uh, your age wants to do with their life and how you fit into this picture. Mm-hmm. That's what you're struggling with right now. How do I fit in? Am I going to be a pastor? Am I going to be a politician? Yeah. Am I going to be an associate to a, a politician? Am I going to be associate pastor? Uh, associate pastor. Yeah. Am I going to be? Um, uh, work towards being a chaplain uh, in in the government somehow. Yeah, because I'm sure the government still has chaplains somewhere. Um, yes, yeah, in Congress they do because they have because um, as well as like a president has chaplains uh, that fly with him, and so does like there's hospital chaplains that are part of yeah. the DOD. So I mean that that's helping people and that's sure. that's helping people in in a great way. And someone like yourself who knows politics. And wants to be a pastor, why wouldn't you train to be in a chaplain role somewhere? Well, you have, there's a starting point. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, you have to start somewhere. Right. Okay. Know? And that's where I'm thinking that Oak Hills, and that's where I'm thinking. Well, good. It's a good college. I, I think you'll do well there, and we'll see what you do. And, again, God moves you as you study, and and maybe there'll be more ideas from year to year as, as yeah. you continue in that program. How long is the program? Uh, so uh, I think I'll be going as, a, I think, a sophomore. Okay. And then I'll graduate, and then I'll have three more years afterwards. Okay. So all the credits you got at Nicolay Bible Institute will transfer to Oak Hills? All of it did, yeah. Yeah. And so you get credit for that, and then you get to, to take the rest of it there. And Yeah. And so what's, I'm actually you know I'm actually looking forward to this class called the Psalms. It's like a little sure. course. And it was funny because Billy Graham, he read, I mean, kudos to him because he read five Psalms a day. Right. And one thing is, I wonder how long it took him to read Psalms 119. Well, <laughs> it's not that It's not that long. 150 verses? I know. It's not that long. Have you read that yes, in I, one reading? Yes. I often. To, oh, I have to take two. I have to at least take me two days. Yeah. 75 for each verse. But no, it's interesting because, you know, I never thought about like how Billy Graham's like, if you read five Psalms a day, and I did it actually. Besides, once I hit Psalms 119 and kind of towards the end, I had to, to broke, broke down one day. Just reading the book of Psalms really changes your life. Yeah. You know, Psalm 61 was my grandpa's favorite psalm, all of Psalm 61. Because it tells that no matter what kind of a life you live, you're going to have, you're going to be with your loved ones soon. And that's, you have that peace and assurance. And yeah. truly, you know what? It was, I got to tell you this very cool thing before we wrap up. When my grandpa passed away, you know, I got the phone call in. It was May, May 26th of 2020 and when he passed away uh i called at 6 a.m because there was like a uh the holy spirit's like hey you got to call him and i called him and long story short you know when he passed away i felt like a sense of relief a sense of peace go over my heart and i was like rejoicing and so even before my dad called to tell me that my grandpa passed away because i was in texas i said he passed the finish line and he's like yes and i said okay that's it was it might sound callous to you but i was actually relieved because he's yeah. not suffering anymore and he actually like dr tony evans stated 
he's not suffering anymore. He won right. the battle. And, you know, with Dr. Tony Evans' wife passing, you know, he, she and a lot of people asked, well, your wife wasn't healed, hypothetically. And he's and he's like, he was because he's she's not suffering. She's right. in the she's with her creator now. Right. And that's how I tell people. I said, my grandpa was healed now. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Yes. Do, you, do you read the Bible through every year, cover to cover? Uh, I have not. I need to do a better job on that. Here's my encouragement to you. That has to be priority one. Yes. You have to read the Bible through minimum one time a year. Yep. Now, I know you can do it because you read all those pages of that omnibus bill. Yeah. (laughs) In in five days, five and a half. So you can do this. Yes. But if you're going to be somebody who's going to be used of God, the one thing you need to know is God. Yes. And, And the way you get to know him is through the Bible. So. I'm going to encourage you. You need to set up a plan so you read the Bible through every year, cover to cover. Yep. Now, it, once again, I don't know anymore, but years ago I did some quick research, and it was like if you read the Bible aloud and you read it about a fifth grade level and you read just 15 minutes a day, you'll finish it by the end of the year. Oh, get out. It's not that hard to do. Again, you read the omnibus bill. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? And how many pages yeah. was that? 4,155. There you go. So how many pages is the Bible? Depends on what size type. True. What's the normal size? What's the normal page? I have no idea. But I, but it it depends on the type, no doubt. Yeah. But I do know that there are a lot of people who want to enter ministry, want to be a pastor. But when I ask them if they read the Bible through every year, it's, well, not every year. And I'm thinking the one thing you should do, the minimum you should do is know the Bible. And you need to read it through cover to cover so you have the context of what the Bible actually says. So when you speak, you know what you're talking about. Yep. Now that's different than studying. Mm-hmm. So I do both every year. Now I'm, I'm done reading the Bible through, uh, well, I was done about June reading the Bible through for last year, and mm-hmm. I've already started it for this year, uh, for next year, and it's this year, so who knows? <laughs> who who yeah. knows how I'm going to, all I know is that I, I read the Bible through in about six months, and a lot of times I'll read it through again. Yeah. But at least once a year, and I've done that for the last 30-some years. So I know what the Bible says. I don't know what the omnibus bill says, and I, I don't maybe know what the Koran says everywhere, but I know what the Bible says. Yeah, and you so, learn something new, I heard. If absolutely, you read, and if you're going to yeah. talk to me about what the Bible says, I'm actually somebody who knows what it says. Yes. Now, I'm not a pastor. I'm yeah. a teacher. I call you Pastor Dave. You though. do, but I'm yeah. not one, and I'm a teacher, but I still know what the Bible says. Yeah. And that's why I want to encourage all those that are listening. You can know God's Word. Yes. It's written, you know, what what version is best? The version you're going to read. Yeah. You know, pick one that makes sense to you. Yep. There are all kinds of reading plans out there that you can get and, and read the Bible through in a year. And I encourage you that's probably the most important thing I've done in the last 30 years mm-hmm. is read the Bible through every year so that when I'm speaking, I actually have some context. And it's amazing how God will bring various parts of Scripture to memory. Now, often I'm still going to have to look it up on the online to mm-hmm. figure out where exactly it said it and whatever else. But, but the words come to memory because of the fact that you've read it through so many times. It's a very familiar book. Yeah, And those of us who are believers— if we want to uh, make change in the world in which we live, we need to do it the way God would have us do it. Mm-hmm. Remember, he can speak through a donkey. He doesn't need me. He no. doesn't need you. Yeah. So what you need to do is fall in love with God, know what he says, 
and uh, and then allow God to lead you through these next years of college. Allow Him to lead you and guide you. And yeah. you know, you might end up being a pastor and and just knowing a lot about politics. Mm-hmm. You might end up being a politician and know a lot about being a pastor. Mm-hmm. You might end up being a chaplain. You might end up doing all of it at some point in your life at different degrees. Yeah. But you got to let God determine that, and you need to be determined to know Him first, even more than the omnibus bill, even more than the anything else you need to know him mm-hmm. and uh, go from there yep. well i'm dave wager i'm here with sas we're coming to you from the studios at silver birch ranch and nicolay bible institute thanks for listening talk to you next time bye-bye